0: What's going on, everybody? This is Jerome Moore, host and creator of Deep Disc Conversations. And firstly, I want to say thank you for all of support and Thank you for exploring the perspectives of social change with me on this platform. I want to encourage you all to like, subscribe and follow us on YouTube and on your favorite podcast listening platform. And make sure you give us a five star rating if you're loving the Deep disc Conversations. I appreciate all of the support again. I hope you all enjoy this episode. Judge Coleman, how you doing?
1: I'm fine, Jerome. Good to be with you again.
0: Um... Congratulations, you know, Thank you. Uh, running unopposed. So that's an automatic victory for mm-hmm. Division 10 General Sessions. Um, how you feel? Well, I feel somewhat relieved
1: that I don't have to campaign as vigorously as I would have, but I intend to stay involved and engage, and to, you know, um, be at function where people can uh, converse with me about various things. So I plan to be out there, and I'm very blessed and um, – i uh, thankful that I don't have an
0: opponent, so I, I'm grateful. But right. I know I have work to do. Another eight years. Well, yeah. for you, I guess it's, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a full eight. Exactly. The first time. So first this is time. your first full eight years. Right. It so, would be. Yeah, it would be. Um, let's talk about let's talk about that a little bit. Your how you ended up as a general sessions a court judge in okay. that process.
1: Okay. Well, uh, what happened is there was a vacancy. Uh, in the general session court, um, um, judge resigned, and the council appointed. And at the time I was sitting on the city council, um, I, along with seven other people, uh, filed the application, and I was fortunate that they appointed me.
0: What, um, I know you had told me before that you always wanted to be uh, an attorney, you always right. wanted to get the law. Um, where did that come from?
1: Well, early on, uh, my uncle went to Southern Law School. He didn't graduate, mm-hmm. and he used to always come over to the house and talk to us about the law, and, and I thought that was something I wanted to do. And from early on, from, I guess, knee high up, I always said I wanted to be <laughs> an attorney, didn't right. know all the work involved. So I kept saying it long enough, and I guess it, it, uh, it became
0: a part of my natural habitat. Did you, um, as you got older, or well, when you put that out there, did anybody around you, mom, dad, your uncle, mm-hmm. kind of explain to you um, the relationship between black folks and the criminal legal system when you started to show interest in, in that sector?
1: Right. Well, not really because I don't think they knew enough about it. I mean, obviously, they were feeling some hurt in those days when they were uh, going through the voting process. Mm -hmm. But they didn't know enough about the law, the system, to describe to me the difference between how African Americans may be treated as opposed to others. Uh, They knew something wasn't right, Right. but they didn't know that, that, that what was going on would turn into a position where someone that's, an African American
0: would hold a position such a judge and correct some of the wrongs. Right. What was growing up in your uh, adolescence, youth? What was your What was your thoughts about like law and stuff? What was your experience with? <laughs> to be honest, you know, the closest thing
1: I, beside my uncle, is Perry Mason, <laughs> which I still <laughs> like. Right.
0: And uh, see Perry
1: Mason and uh, know. Generally, how that kind of stuff go cross-examination, showing in court, right. you know, as time went on. Got more experience about it. But the one thing I always thought about the law, it was a, it was a position where you could help people. Mm-hmm. And that's what I thought I could really do is help. Right. So I was interested in that. And I, I tell you, I think the law is interesting. And right. um, the more
0: I went along, the more I knew I wanted to be one. Right. But you also growing up, you know, you was you was a star athlete, you know. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you know, mm-hmm. um, play football, quarterback right. at TSU, right? Um, but you also, you know, you always knew, hey, I can do both. I wanted to do both. Right. Um, if you had an opportunity to go to the NFL, mm-hmm. do you uh, do you believe you still had opportunities or the interest is still being an attorney or even be judge? Well, you know, it's kind of hard to say, Jerome, because I tell you, um, how things
1: played out for me, um, I had a few tryouts with the NFL, but because they didn't work out, I came back home and I got into graduate school. Mm-hmm. And had I been still pursuing the athletic trail, I'm not so sure if I would have gone to graduate school. And then in graduate school, I, I took the LSAP a few times right. and got a considerable amount of improvement from the last time and it was good enough to be accepted. However, um, I just don't, I just don't, un, I just don't know how I could have been as successful right. by going the NFL route. Right. Because it takes you in such a way, and it, with injuries being what they are, any, right. any day you could be injured for the rest of the season. Right. So, I'll, I'll say that um, I think the NFL is a good, good, good work place to be involved in, but I also think being a judge or being a lawyer, it's even better for me and people I can help.
0: Um, What type of law did you practice as an attorney? Mm
1: -hmm. I I had a general, um, what you call, I was a general practitioner. So I took a variety of cases. There were some cases that I wasn't interested in, like domestic, like divorce, Mm -hmm. things of that Um, Nature. I was never interested in that kind of law, but I was interested in criminal law. I was interested in constitutional law, uh, contracts, things like that. So those are some areas that that I worked in. I can't say I mastered any of them because as a sole
0: practitioner, you're just trying to keep the doors open and keep all the bills paid. What were some of, like, your biggest barriers? Because— you know, I think a lot of the general public and like, TV and stuff, you see mm-hmm. these lawyers, they got all these, uh, or attorneys, right? They got fancy suits and stuff. I mean, we just automatically assume, okay, lawyers, attorneys, as soon as, you, as soon as you pass the bar, like, it's it's paycheck, it's payday, right? Uh-huh. And so, but that's not always the case for everybody, right? Because, you, no. you know, you all are entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. essentially. You got to build up your client base. So what were some of those barriers just starting off? Well, first of all,
1: after you graduate, you have to pass the bar, Mm -hmm. which is not in and of itself an easy task, but you really have to study to pass the bar. And once you pass the bar, you join the rest of this world out here with many attorneys, and a lot of them are not working. A lot of them are taking jobs to supplement their income with families. So you recognize that. So the competition is great for the people that you wish to solicit, because if you don't practice Um, all kind of law. You got to take the law that come to your particular area. I wouldn't take um, uh, a bankruptcy case because I don't do bankruptcy law. So I had to take the limited amount of cases I could in the area because in that area, you had to be efficient. You could make a mistake and really damage some people with their property, with will. So you really have to be on top of it, know the law. And so when you start now, um, you have to make sure that you stay within your zone because mm-hmm. you could really get burned by trying to you know practice on subjects that you are not proficient in
0: is it um is it during, during those during those days when you was practicing is it what was your biggest what was your biggest lesson that you i guess that you learned.
1: <laughs> One of the biggest lessons I learned: never leave money on the table. <laughs> and what it is is, I had to I had an offer uh, for my client, and my client didn't want to accept it. And we went to court on it. We got nothing. <laughs> and somebody told me that after this, that's your
0: biggest mistake right there: never leave money on the table. And so uh, when when I, you're going through that, you know, you have to, you know, you gotta, you, you're doing a lot of times. In practicing that type of law, you you're doing what your client wants you. You know, kind of, hey, I want I want to go this route, right? right Regardless right. of, you know, hey, I think you maybe should want. Nah, I want to go this route, right? Yeah, Right. <laughs> what is that dynamic like? Because well, you win is is if you win is your is you get the you get the credit. If you lose, you get the credit. <laughs> yeah, you get the credit both ways. Well, you know, sometimes
1: it all starts in the evaluation of a case when a client walk into your office, you sit down and properly evaluate it, then you design a budget. Mm-hmm. A budget to tell that person how much they're gonna to have to actually have for filing fees, uh, depositions, uh, prepare interrogatories because some of these things are done by other people in right. the office and specialists. And to do deposition, it's quite expensive. If you take a doctor's deposition, generally they start when I used to practice at seven fifty an hour. <sighs> So you take a deposition for five hours or four hours, man, that's a lot of change. So one of the things you have to do as a young lawyer is make a good evaluation on what kind of case this is and whether or not I can afford to take it. Right. Because there are some cases you can't afford to take it even if you don't get a quick payoff. Right. Um, when I say a quick payoff, I mean if it doesn't um, drag on too long, you can afford to kind of wait. You know, wait around until things come together, and then there are some that will go on for a very long time, and you just can't afford to wait around. You got to pay staff, right. there's equipment, a lot of things.
0: Right. Is it any Is it any cases that you made a decision as an attorney um, that you regret? Like, man, if I could go back and hmm. if I can go back and do some, if I can go back and just do that over, you know, yeah. I would do it. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I think in Robertson County at one time, I think I was arguing to a jury, and I think, I think in it I became too emotional because I was involved with the case, and now looking back at it, I think maybe if I would have just been a little bit more detached, mm-hmm. uh, we didn't necessarily lose big, but we didn't get what we should have. Right. And I just think that I, I cared so much about it and wanted to win. Right. Um, I didn't do the very best right. I could have done. And I learned from there, too.
0: Now, um, have you ever received any from clients mm-hmm. after a case didn't go their way? Mm-hmm. Have you ever received any threats, any kind of felt any way like, oh, this person may want to do something to me afterwards or, mm-hmm. or just made threats that didn't they didn't go through with or just said just derogatory, mean, mm-hmm. angry things? Because, again... <laughs> you get it's all your fault
1: right right but right. well you know I've been pretty uh, lucky to that extent okay. because I, I haven't had a client to come back to me and in, in a way that displayed that kind of emotion however some are disappointed when you don't win or you right. don't get what they thought you were going to get particularly right. in accident cases because so many things depend on it so you know I have not had a bad experience with a client. I have to say that. Now, I didn't win all my cases, but I won a good many of them. Right. But I think one of the things I start off on the right basis. You know. Okay. I, I help people to understand that it can always go a different way, even right. though we have plans and we think our case will be better served going this direction. Right. There's a side out there
0: <laughs>
1: that's waiting to tear that up. Right. And so, sometimes things don't go the way you want to.
0: Now you judge. Right, yes. completely different than being an attorney, mm-hmm. right? Um, as an attorney, what made you feel and know that you was confident and ready enough to be a judge, a general sessions judge here in Nashville? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you know, you continue to learn and grow, mm-hmm. and even though I've had a chance to be there going on five years now, I still don't know everything. So I daily, uh, I learn daily. Uh, about the job what to do I think the most important thing is remain fair competent study uh, get you know get to know where certain um, pieces of work so you can rely on them you know and and that's done through research and having staff to do it but it's a continual learning process and I don't know if there's a judge that will tell you look I'm you know, I know all there is to know, and I haven't made a mistake because it's a daily practice. Right. It really is. So I think it's your attitude towards people that count. And Most people have said that they've noticed that I, I have a pretty, you know, meek attitude, mm-hmm. get along with people well. And right. I think that's key.
0: That's some of the good things people say.
1: That's some of the good things, right. What are some <laughs> of
0: the bad things that you've heard that people have said? <laughs> Judge, Judge <laughs> Coleman, man, he – you know, he does this or he does that because, you know, yeah, there's narratives out right, there, right? right. And you, they come back to you.
1: Yeah. And, and, and you know, I don't want to sound holier than thou on this, but all of the comments that we have heard or been brought to my attention have been positive. Now, there are some people that have come up and said, well, I think you could do this better. Or, right. you know, I didn't quite understand why you did what you did. And I said, well, maybe I didn't explain it as good as I, I should have. Right. And then I'll try and take the time to do it there. I don't see any mistakes that I've made that's really caused um, a problem and clients wanting to file complaints because it's too easy for them. Not only do they uh, tell you and tell others that you've made a mistake, they go to the Judicial Board of Conduct, uh, to the Ethics Bureau, and they'll register their complaints with them. Then you have to file a response, and if they think it's bad enough, they'll call you in and uh, interview
0: you about it. Now, um, as a judge, you must uh, remain um, impartial. Right. Um, in all cases. Um, what does that mean? Well, For what people, that means yeah, to yeah, me yeah, What does is, that mean to you? Even though a situation
1: may be one that will cause you to be emotional, or you may uh, in some way share some of the pain and frustration, Uh, Of some of the clients, for instance, if you had somebody who had bought a car from a used car dealership, and you know good and well that they were buying the car with the intent of having a good car, but now it's broken, and they want their money back, and they're claiming that you said this was a good car, and they're telling it was sold as is. It's those kind of things that that trouble me because there's not a whole lot you can do. They did buy it as is, but that person, uh, unbeknownst to them, was buying something that Wouldn't work, and all their money's gone, and now they're having to start over. So, those are kind of decisions that will bother you. But for the most part, I try to be thorough in my analysis and uh, get it right the first time because you could really put somebody behind the eighth ball if you're not.
0: What is your definition or or meaning or thoughts of justice?
1: Well, I think uh, justice is that goal that you know we in the law and we as citizens try to achieve Mm -hmm. uh, what is justice and the question is what's justice to some may not be justice to others Uh, you've seen a lot of cases where um, people have gotten off on certain crimes that they allegedly committed and people say well there's just no justice here but look at it from the other side if the state can't prove the case even though it may look as though this guy is guilty right. of sin if they can't prove it justice is you gotta let them go and most people uh, say it's not right I mean one of the biggest OJ Simpson mm-hmm. OJ will go to his grave with people always thinking that he had uh, something to do with what happened right. Uh in California with his family right but justice was served to me in that they couldn't prove that he did right but we all thought so based on what we heard what we saw right. and what the media you know showed us right uh, it was it was a situation where you say nobody could not have done it but him but
0: justice was served because they didn't find him guilty right what is do you think one of the biggest obstacles to get justice I I think
1: you have to keep working at it because um, sometimes people think their actions or their conduct or the way they do things is correct. And um, until they know better and want to change, Mm -hmm. that'll prevail. Um, For instance, there were some that thought slavery was good. They thought it was was good. And and you can see why. It It was was legal, right? It was legal. It was uh, um, something that you could, you know, Run a business on right. you know cotton, cotton gin, and all of that, so for some people, what was wrong with that right, but now you look at it and you say what you using people as you know right. um slaves right uh, involuntary servitude right so you know justice has to be defined in the vernacular of what you're trying to achieve
0: right well, you brought up you got I think you brought up a good pivot point as far as like um like with, with, with slavery, right, and putting a price on a body, right. Right. A lot of people feel like that's what our cash bail system is. Uh-huh. You know, you you you, somebody has an offense, uh-huh. and you know they get a a, a bail set, mm-hmm. and because that person cannot afford that bail amount, they have to re- remain and sit in jail. Right. Um. Maybe you know could possibly lose a job because of that. Mm-hmm. Um you know, mental health, a lot of things, regardless if it's a night or or 30 nights, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody's different. Um, But I know there's been a lot of talk around reform, cash Mm -hmm. bail reform. Um, What are your thoughts on cash bail reform here in Nashville?
1: Well, um, the bail system is – the bail system need work, true enough, but it's really – the product of the state legislature and they're the ones that uh, set the standard by statute on how a bail system should work. Do I think it always worked correctly? No, and nothing does. But. In some cases you have to figure that if someone is accused of something and there's a certain amount of evidence, you need that person to return to court so mm-hmm. that what you said before justice can be done. And one way to do it is to make them put up property, money, or something that, that, that may be considered um, a good valid currency mm-hmm. uh, or, or you don't allow you to do work uh, for your bill anymore, but it's a good system, but I think it's been overused. And what we try to do over there in the General Sessions Court is fit the situation to what a person can afford and mm-hmm. at the same time protect the public. Right.
0: Now, and, that's, and that bail amount is usually set by a magistrate. Uh, right. Right. At and the outset. At right. the outset, right. Mm-hmm. And so if me and you have um, committed an offense, mm-hmm. we have similar criminal records right mm-hmm. um and your bill is five thousand dollars ten thousand dollars right mm-hmm. um same offense similar criminal background how does that magistrate come to that that money amount for me versus for you with all well you know in this hypothetical situation Yeah, well,
1: there are guidelines that's provided to us by the statute. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you how any of the magistrates that we have working under us would do it. They would have to state that. But I could imagine they use the same formula as we judge it. We go to those nine points in which the statute say you should consider. Mm -hmm. And one is uh, danger to the community, ability to get back to court. And they go down from there. Right. Um, The whole thing about... The bail, I think that's frustrating people. It appears as though those who cannot make bail have to rot in jail. This is what I hear all the time. Mm. As opposed to those who can afford it, they can get out, defend themselves, and go on with their life. And nobody should be determined guilty before they have a hearing. Right. On the other hand, you have victims out there say, How dare you let this person out when they ran over my sister, uh, nephew, son, or whatever. But you can't look at it that way. Bail is to ensure a person come back to court, not Mm -hmm. to determine the guilt or innocent. What our our magistrate look at, I'm sure, when they consider what amount is the seriousness of the offense, the likelihood of you coming back to court.
0: Right. As a judge, um, I want to say judges have a lot of power, right? Mm you all have to be very careful um, how you all use that power for the community but also the power of your voice right Mm -hmm. you all just can't say certain things right Mm -hmm. Uh, whether it's regarding to open case even policies and things like that Um, if you do if you do recognize something that is you know could be better Mm -hmm. in our criminal legal system um, how can you use your voice as judge to say hey this is what i've seen in my courtroom mm-hmm. you know and i think maybe we should make some changes here based on what i've seen how, how can how can you and other judges uh use y'all's power you y'all your voice and influence in understanding of seeing people come in every day right into the courtroom to to make changes around policies and with the with the state legislator
1: right right well you know things happen over a period of time it's not in my opinion Necessary, the best practice to continue to just change because the time have changed, the sake has changed. It need to be uh, something that's well thought out. Both sides need to be able to weigh in on it. Those who uh, will be, um, I'm not going to say harmed by it, but those who will participate in the system need to have their views expressed too. And also you have victims out there too that will say that, you know, you didn't set bail high enough uh, in in the bail case. But we as judges have the, uh, you know, we have the awesome task of deciding people property and money. And we have to go about that in a way that um, we see fit because two judges may not see things the exact same way so you have to be fair and you have to create an atmosphere in which people have confidence in you right and use your best judgment with legal training
0: right um we still in a pandemic yeah um and i've I've seen some interesting things happen because Mm -hmm. of the pandemic as far as in our in our in our court system a lot of things that Like, hey we don't need to put this person in jail for for these things we got we got others more serious things that we can Mm -hmm. we can deal with how have you seen the court procedures become more effective Mm -hmm. um, due to the pandemic
1: well and i will say one of the things the pandemic has done that i have noticed is that it allowed people to work from home wherein before i don't think we was working as much from home um it allowed people to sometimes have their cases um taken care of while they in other pla- they're other in other places. Mm-hmm. So to that extent, the pandemic has showed us that uh, we can do things different than the way we used to do them. Um, we've had to take uh, the approach of not allowing a lot of people to come into the building when it was at its height before the vaccination was in place. Right. And we had to cut down on the number of uh, people coming in and the number of cases we would take a day. So, All of those things that we were forced to do, we find out that maybe we need to continue to change our process and uh, look for ways that we can improve through modern equipment, Mm -hmm. um, you know, through virtue. Um, And when it comes to inmates coming over from the jail system, we've been able to go to a system where uh, we could do a virtual hearing without them having to come over. Now they would have to agree to that because if they want to come over and they're they're not health reasons, then eventually we have to let them come over. But uh, a lot of them and a lot of cases, our mental health cases, we could do them by virtue, Hmm. and that has helped tremendously.
0: Um, Any other other effective ways that something that y'all wasn't doing before or was doing that y'all said, hey, well, we can't do this anymore? But y'all realize, like, hey, we didn't we didn't need to do that in the beginning because it's keeping, you know, uh, it's keeping more people out of jail. Is it mm-hmm. any of those things that came up? Well, I think one, for a fact,
1: when I think um, um, you know, the courts made a decision that they were going to um, um, use the jail system at the height of the pandemic for only serious matters mm-hmm. and other matters that weren't as serious we were going to try and f- to find other ways to deal with it right and I think prior to the pandemic we didn't necessarily think of it that way even though I think in a lot of cases I'm not sure about Nashville you had jail overcrowdedness. Right. well the pandemic forced us to take a look at things and uh, everybody made uh, concessions about how to do it. And I know personally, in our court, some cases that we would have necessarily rule where a person had to spend some time in jail, we decided no because of the pandemic. Right. So now we figure that there are some things that we were forced to do that we need to continue to start, you know, keeping those practices around.
0: Right, right, right. Um, one of the practices I feel like is great for the community to partake in is community court watch. Mm-hmm. Um, gives people under uh, a reason to um, understand what happens in the courtroom, mm-hmm. right? Um, especially if you're not the one having to appear in court, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> which is what we want, right? <laughs> you get a chance to observe and see what's going on. Right. Um, get to observe judges um, and kind of you know understand the process. Mm-hmm. And, you know, especially if you're not there, you, which you shouldn't be. You know. Just because you know you didn't did something, uh, what are your thoughts on on court watch here in Nashville? And have you you know what 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 is your relationship with some right. of those? Um,
1: um, I've had a few people come through our court and they describe themselves as court watchers, and I personally don't mind. I've never heard anybody else say they mind. Mm-hmm. Um, the recording part of it is something that uh, has to be done based on you know the court's rule. Um, and you know, if you're a media and you give the proper notice, it was never going to be a problem. But I think court watching is good because it helps people to gain an insight into the judicial world. And it gains confidence in the system and the, and the people that's conducting the system, such as judge, judges and clerks. So yeah, I, you know, I think court watch is a very valuable tool. I'm glad it's around. Uh, they always conduct themselves in the appropriate manner when they're in court with us. And um, I like having them there, to be honest, because, like you said, some people can't get out and they can share their good experience. If you're doing a good job, they'll want to tell that.
0: Right. If I'm a court watcher and I feel like Judge Coleman just made uh, a decision Mm -hmm. that I didn't agree with, right, Mm -hmm. or don't understand why he made that decision, Mm -hmm. what is the best way for me as a court watcher um, to broach you about that in the most professional way that you're going to receive, you're going to receive it well and understand that I have good intentions and not just trying to just point all the fingers at you, right? Because I think that matters, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That matters, because right. mm-hmm. um, like you said, we all see justice differently, mm-hmm. and so um, I might be trying to understand mm-hmm. um, how was justice served in that particular case, and I and I want people to best understand how to approach you, but possibly other judges. Um, when they see things that they possibly don't agree with but want to have a healthy conversation about? Well,
1: um, and I can only talk about my experience. Right. When people didn't agree with me, sometimes they would write a letter. Okay. And a letter is better to me than email um, simply because you put forth an effort and it looked like to me just um, so much better thought out. But they'll ask the question of why was that decision made? And the thing I don't do is take offense to mm-hmm why somebody may question me. There are some things you can say and some things you can't. Some matters are confidential, and then you can't talk about cases that, uh, that that are pending, and nor can you talk about decisions that might show up in front of you again. Right. So it's a balancing act because people don't know all the things there is to know. Right. But I think there's a legitimate... Uh, a way of asking and that is ask the question why was that decision made right. You honor how, how did you come to that conclusion right. and it's up to the person to answer some people may think well I'm not going to answer because whatever I say is not going to be sufficient right. so I'm not going to get into this running gun argument about somebody about a decision I made because they'll never understand it all but on the other hand, you have people that will ask you a question, a good question, and I will endeavor to try to answer them. Okay. Whether they understand it from my perspective or not, but I do think that uh, the public does deserve some explanation as to what's going on, right. particularly when it's your loved one.
0: Right. So it's clear to us that you're you're a black man here in the United mm-hmm. States, right? Um. As a black man, and I think also as a judge, what are your thoughts on just the over-incarceration of black folks, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the disparities that we see mm-hmm. in the criminal legal system, um, and just it seems like just a target that's on our back that seems a little different than other uh, groups of people here in the, uh, in the United States. Mm-hmm. Well, I think certainly,
1: um, you know, the statistics and uh, the data that uh, one could read from would definitely suggest that there have been some issues and appear to be some unfairness. It's hard to say if you're not there and you don't have all the information, but certainly based on the number of, you know, the, the totality of people going to jail, it seems like it does give an indication that there's some unfairness there. Although you don't know until you really look at the numbers and, and get all the information you need. Right. But I think there's been a tremendous stride to overcome some of it. Mm-hmm. There have been some practices put into place. Uh, of course, you always had your appeal, but those things are kind of expensive and right. um, time right. time taking. But it's a growing it, it's a growing progress that we have to continue to. Uh, have happened in right. the racial culture.
0: How can how can that be improved? Right. Uh, as again, I, as somebody understands law, mm-hmm. somebody that is a judge. Um, how do you how do you convince uh, in this particular situation, black folks, that you know it it will get better? Because it it would seem like by the numbers it hasn't it hasn't got better. Mm-hmm. Even the more positions. And people we have in place, like positions like yours, right? Mm -hmm. The more black judges we have, uh, the more black political candidates we have since 1968, if I remember correctly, things have not get, incarceration has not lessened for us. So what what words of encouragement or things that you can really give black folks to say, you know, just hang on in there because like eventually it has to take a, a turn, we would think.
1: Right. Well, I would suggest that some people would say that things have got better. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think everybody thinks that the system is uh, like it was in the 50s.
0: Right, right.
1: I'm I'm sure a lot of people see improvement. It's Mm -hmm. better than it was in the 70s and it's better than what it was in the 80s. So I I say all that to say it's a continual improvement because it's a balance in that. Um, And as it relates to African-Americans being uh, confined in, you know, uh, detention centers and jails; um, those studies do indicate that um, that there are a lot compared to the total population, mm-hmm. and it would give rise to having one think that it's an unfairness and it's an right. injustice. And right. you would think that if the population um, is swayed in a way where you have more minorities in jail mm-hmm. and you have less of them in the country, right. what? Right. How does that
0: work? How, and how does it? How does that sit with you? Just on a on a personal day to day, having a black son, right? right. Um, being black yourself, and just living life as a black man, mm-hmm. but knowing that okay, I'm a judge, and I'm trying, and I'm and I'm and I'm trying and aiming and intentional about making sure that I I do my best job to be fair, be equitable, be impartial, and 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 improve the criminal legal system. Mm-hmm. But I see all these other things happening. Right. How Mm -hmm. does that weigh on you just in your everyday life? And, you know, black folks, we hard on each other. Right. (laughs) We hard on each other. Uh Uh-huh. Well, I
1: think it's a, you know, it's a continued work that has to be in progress Mm because you can't, it didn't happen overnight. It's not going to go away overnight. Right. But I think tremendous strides have been made and we just have to continue to make them and educate people Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, demonstrate to people that love is better than hate in all cases. And if in fact you take the time to understand one another, learn their culture, even I would say if African-Americans had some concerns about hatred, they need to bring them forward and let people know so that Mm -hmm. those who are in authority positions can help them out. Uh, But on the other hand, we have to be accountable and be responsible. So my job as a person that's in the court system is to point that out right. and help a person try to get on the right path if they're not.
0: Going back to what I said, um, we harder on, mm-hmm. on each other as black All folks, right. right? Right. Has your blackness ever been questioned for the simple fact that you are a judge in a criminal legal system that many of us feel are not for us? Right.
1: Well, it has not been questioned to my face. Okay. I mean, I'm sure people have probably made comments one way or another, as people would do. But uh, the comments I've gotten is that um, that whether I'm dealing with someone African American minority, that I'm fair and I listen. So my blackness have not been called into question. It may be discussed, and people may not like decisions that I made. Mm-hmm. and think that because I'm an African-American, I should have went a different way. Right. But I have to say truthfully, I have not been questioned concerning my blackness. And if you want to know the truth about it, I don't feel any kind of way because I'm black. Right. I, I know I'm black, but right. I don't make any
0: decisions in
1: court based on that.
0: Right, right. We hard on each other. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we hard on each other. And the reason I wanted to pose that question because um i have I've had other guests that are in you know similar positions, um uh, maybe not judges, but in similar positions mm-hmm. uh you know say, "Hey, yeah, because I'm in law enforcement, you know mm-hmm. black folks you know hey, come on man <laughs> you because, know, you know and it, but and I think rightfully so i think I think rightfully so because historically um what has occurred and what has happened even currently i would say what the numbers say mm-hmm. so i think we have a we have a right for like to for, for pause mm-hmm. um and look at the situation but i but i also say like maybe the the more the, the more right people that we have in those systems mm-hmm. um maybe for the best that we can maybe help us understand and bring some of that cultural competence to the position that maybe somebody else may not have because they haven't had the same lived experience. Mm-hmm. You know, they now they might they might they might not prejudge you before you walk in and open your mouth because of the way you look because they have they've been their their proximity to you has been very close. And mm-hmm. I know just because you might have dreads and gold teeth, they don't make you a certain type of person. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mm-hmm. think so I think that is I think that is crucial and important I do too. Um, yeah. for our for our legal system.
1: Yeah, I, I do too. And, um, you know, one of the things I think we have to do is continue to refine, continue to work at it, mm-hmm. and never settle for complacency. Right. Um, and, you know, uh, help, help those who lack the understanding, you know. Right. Drop off some nuggets and right. just be honest with people and help them get to a place in life where they can help others because right. that's what it's going to take right one right. hand after another
0: helping how do you how do you uh drop them nuggets in the community because you know sure. um judges can be intimidating i think uh, yeah I you imagine. know uh to community you know mm-hmm. y'all you know get the robe on and right. and you know i think there's a perception too that people may have or don't have about judges in position mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. And they may feel like hey you know they appear i really don't want to you know you're a judge i don't know but I think but I think it's a yeah, but like you you all are you know public servants, you know right, right? right. um, so I think it's a, I think it's important and crucial for you all to be tapped into community and mm-hmm. and, and and listening, but mm-hmm. also being able to just give people opportunity to 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 speak and ask questions, so right. um you know, you got eight more years of this coming up, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. um how have you done that in the past, and how will you continue to do that uh in the next eight years?
1: Well, when I am asked, I attend various forums either as a participant or or as an observer. Um, when I'm asked to participate in something that would not compromise my position in the community, I do that. I get a chance to speak to a lot of you uh, in the summer, uh, particular, and so I try to be an example, not necessarily just verbally, but to. Uh, you know, to be there for them, to volunteer in the community, things like that. I think that's helpful for them to know that you're a regular person and right. that your position is not the only thing that defines you. Right. And that's how I consider. Um, I'm often asked uh, how can I help somebody get started in the practice of law? How can I help someone? seek employment. Matter of fact, I was on the phone today, somebody called, I didn't even know him, but they were just asking, what what could I do to help him get employment? And I said, well, the first thing, send me a resume and come up and let's talk. Let me see uh, where I think some areas we can approach, and when I say we, both of us together, you know, because I don't have any jobs to give them. Jobs are numbered, positions are numbered. And generally, there are people in those positions until tell somebody, you know, leave the job for a variety of reasons or they create a position. And generally, positions are not created. Right. Unless they're, you know, jobs where you make them purposely for some people. Mm-hmm. But number of places that need people, um, there's enough work for everybody and there's enough opportunity
0: for everybody to share. Going back to here specifically in Nashville, in our criminal uh, legal system here. What do you think are like the biggest areas of growth, where growth is needed? Um, and I know I've heard you talk before about like mental health and homelessness. Mm-hmm. Would you say those are the two biggest for you or? For me,
1: for me, that's,
0: that's
1: not yeah. necessarily everybody, but right. I do think that, um, that the homeless situation uh, Uh, Put the city at a spot where they need they need to really kind of work at what we can do to to help people Mm -hmm. uh, gather themselves decent houses homes and houses that they can afford. Everybody can't afford to live in the same spot. But at the same time, the question has to be, do they want that? Do people want that structure? Do they right. want live in a community where they have to abide by rules, or, right. or do they think that that's not important? So the person themselves got to want it. That's the first thing. Then second, I think we that call ourselves uh, being supportive of this government ought to contribute as much as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not an easy thing, the homeless situation. And obviously the mental health situation—not that I'm an expert in mental health because I'm not—I'm right. just saying that's one of the issues that that I find troubling, and a lot of things happen around that. Right. And I don't necessarily think, in my opinion, my humble opinion, that the mental ill need to be incarcerated. I think they need to be treated, but right. not incarcerated. But you got to first get there. You got right. to determine. But I think that. Um, Nashville is really a, a growing place because right. we have some good facilities, you know, with the right. various schools and university, and I think we're going in the right direction. Is um,
0: <clears throat> how's the relationship um, between uh, our judges, general sessions judges in MMPD when it comes to mental health? Those who have mental health, and those who may be homelessness. And try to not jail them for, for, for those situations
1: well uh, I don't know you know they're two separate areas right. you know you got the police department and then you have the judicial system right um, they kind of work hand-in-hand hand, but the authority right. is different and I would think that law enforcement say I have a job to do but I, I, I can do it with some sensitivity right. and I think that they do try to do that however If someone is violating the law, is it up to an officer to say, because of this condition, I'm going to let you go free? Right. Well, I don't think so. I think you bring them in or you get them into court, and the court with its resources and wherewithal could at least
0: provide opportunities to work at the issues. uh, To your knowledge, is there some type of rapport between the two, like understanding that, hey, okay, we agreed that we don't want to Incarcerate all everybody that might have a mental health issue. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a process in place, or is something that y'all at least have a report about? Like, yeah, okay, I know this person did this; they broke a window, mm-hmm. but clearly they they are schizophrenic, mm-hmm. right? And so he or she necessarily doesn't need to. You know, I don't need Judge Coleman to necessarily like convict this person and, and put him in jail but they need to be treated. Right. Is there, like, a rapport or, or some type of understanding, or a process on how to do that, or is that something in, still working?
1: Yeah, no, I, I think there is a process in okay. place, and I'm not in charge of it. Okay. So I don't want to speak as if I am. And they do have, that. like, a homelessness court. Right, um, homeless court, a mental, mental health, health court. court, and those situations get referred over there. Okay. And I think the judges that operate there do a good job. Okay,
0: okay. Yeah, um... A lot of times, you you would think as 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 as, as community members who not in the criminal like legal or law, mm-hmm. you like oh you we judges go hand in hand with police and maybe they talk every day and things like that because like you know, but that's not always the case. But I think that's good to understand right too right. for 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 knowing the capacity of of your role, right? right. And right. then you can understand the capacity of a police officer's role. Right. Um so it's not getting confusing, you know, you're not making laws, right? You're interpreting law. Yeah, right, you're interpreting a <laughs> your right. law. law, right? <laughs> and so I I think I think that's I think that's that's something people need to know because they might put all the blame on you. Oh yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah. And then if you don't know, you know, <clears throat> until you find out, you know, why not. That's the last person I saw. And right. He or she appeared to be uh, making a decision as to whether I am going in this direction or that direction, right.
0: So, yeah, I think it's important. One of the biggest things too that have been talked about, um, you're hearing a lot of noise about is restorative justice uh-huh. right. Uh, what does that what does that mean or what does that look like on the general sessions level?
1: Well, from you know in their concept, uh, around and I'm not so sure if the definition that I'm going to give you right. would be the concept. But to me, restorative justice means, you know, if a person had had some trouble with uh, uh, with the law and broke the law, how could we work to find ways to repair them, keep their dignity, and help them uh, gain a better quality of life? And you do so by doing it with your policies, your procedures, mm-hmm. um, making some uh, making some compensation for those who made a mistake for the first time around, who do not have. Uh, A long record you know giving them a chance to some community work and more importantly getting their record to the place where they can still get a good job go to school or whatever in other words to restore them back to uh, a place in life where the problem that may have occurred Mm -hmm. years ago or even at the current time it could be dealt with and at the same time drop them off in a good spot in life and to me that's what restorative justice mean justice will be done right for the wrong but at the same time we want to repair you right by you know giving you a trade right. uh sending you places that will help if you have mental health issues right i think trying to restore you back to a good quality of life and right. uh, repair some of the wrongs
0: yeah and what i what I, i've learned talking to people like yourself is that mm-hmm. also um Accepting that accountability that I harmed somebody. Right. Right? Right. You know, you restored me, but for, for me to be restored, I have to accept that right. I did, you know, hurt or harm someone or something. Exactly. You yeah. You know, so I think that's a big piece of it, too, mm-hmm. um, that people may not tend to think about or, or leave off when we talk about the restorative piece. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we should restore, it, but that means you have to admit right. <laughs> that <laughs> you, you know, harmed somebody and that because you stole this person's car that, you know, they couldn't go to work and right. they possibly lost their job. Right. And you have to you have to you have to you have to come to terms and take accountability for that.
1: Yeah, you have to own up to, right. you know, whatever it is that you finally admit that didn't go right for you. Right. And say, you know, I own this. And, which, and which put attorneys
0: better. that that will put attorneys in a in a in a, in a spot because yeah, yeah I won't restore the justice for my client but okay your client gotta admit right, <laughs> that he right. or she did this right <laughs>
1: right right we got to first start <laughs> right, off right yeah from a point of okay are you taking responsibility for you know your actions right exactly and then once
0: you do that then we can start working towards a cure right. Eight years—it's almost—it's al- it's, it's almost a decade. Round mm-hmm. off the ten, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of things can happen in eight years. A lot mm-hmm. of good things, a lot of bad things can happen in eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, going, looking forward in these next eight years, you'll be uh, Division Ten General Sessions Judge. What have you learned, right, in your previous term that you can take forward with you? Mm-hmm. going into these next eight years, and this will be your, your first complete eight years.
1: Right. Well, as I said at the outset that uh, you continue to grow right. in a job like this. I don't know if you ever get to the point where you know it all because new things are coming about all the time, mm-hmm. new people coming about, new ways we are doing things. I think for me just to continue to grow, mm-hmm. uh, to you know, be conscious of uh, the job itself and the people you're dealing with, And then, you know, try to develop a process that will be fair. Right. That is the key, fairness. Right. Uh, And I think you have to look inside yourself and understand that what might be fair to you may not be fair to someone else. Right. But at the same time, if you're fair, you're constantly learning. Those are the things I think that uh, will help me improve. And I'm the kind of person I love to learn. I love to learn. Uh, I'm not eager about going back getting the doctors right now, but uh, other other than that, I mean, I like to see how other countries, other states, and other people are doing things. And if there's a better way, I think we should take note of it and see how we can incorporate in our system. And as I go through my years of training and learning from others, uh, I hope to make our court Mm -hmm. a fair court and a court that uh, will rectify problems if there are.
0: What was some So weaknesses, maybe, that you realize uh, that you had when you first started, you know, when you first, you know, Mm -hmm. was appointed. Right. Um, What was so? And then, you know, and and how did you correct those? Well,
1: you get a mass of information, and general sessions court is different from the trial court. They have days to prepare. Uh, They get briefs and pleadings, Mm -hmm. and they're better equipped to handle issues that that they have to determine based on um, their setup. Mm -hmm. In general sessions, on a daily basis, you may walk in and be looking at a case for the first time Uh and have to make a serious decision about it. So I think one of the things I try to do is keep an open mind. Mm -hmm. And when I don't know something, either I ask those who have been around for a while or you know, ask the experts over in the Supreme Court to work mm. on your staff, but continue to learn and grow, and uh, just don't make your way the only
0: way. Again, you run it unopposed, <laughs> so right. you don't have so you don't so you don't you know you don't you don't have any competition this this go round. But um, but what should people expect from you? What should voters Fine. expect from you? Um,
1: well. They can expect that uh, they will have a person that care about the city, care about people, uh, someone that promise to continue to learn and grow, Mm -hmm. uh, someone that will um, ensure that due process is always placed at the top of the mat. Mm -hmm. Uh, Due process come in a lot of ways. Um, One of the biggest parts of due process is substantial fairness. Um, yeah, you should bring a person in and make them answer whether it's a civil matter or a criminal matter, but whether or not the system itself is fair. Right. Whether or not you listen, and in cases where people are not represented by an attorney, try to ensure that you get someone there that's legally trained right. to assist them. So um, there a lot of things to be learned. I mean, I learned a lot in the last um, four and a half years, but each year I think I get... Um, more equipped mm-hmm. to deal
0: with the issues. Right. Nashville is a growing city, mm-hmm. you know. And that means probably, you know, we our, our, our criminal legal system, our courts are probably going to need more resources mm-hmm. uh, as the city grows, as more people come here. Right. Um, what does that look like in the next eight years as the city grows? What is more, What does more resources look like? With all those resources that uh, enable you to be able to do your job um, for the city of Nashville the most effective, equitable, and just way?
1: Well, you know, fortunately, uh, we have some good facilities here. We are in a a decent building, a lot of uh, communities should go in. They're in need of more jail space. We just had a new facility built. We have uh, adequate space in our courtroom to do things. Um, I think this a continual improvement in the way we go about uh, doing our jobs in an effective way. And, you know, making sure that people understand that we're not in the business of just punishing right. or incarcerating people, but we're in the business of making people's lives better after a mistake has been made or some victimization has gone down. Right. So I think those are some key
0: points. What can community do to ensure that Judge Coleman... hmm is trying to make sure you know he's healing the city and it it's just not a punishment system and that um, he's being just and equitable to everybody mm-hmm. um what does accountability look like for you far as coming from the city and the residents and community members of nashville
1: Yeah, good question. You know, um, when you're elected, there's a certain amount of trust that's placed into Mm -hmm. uh, you as a candidate and you as um, a winner of an election. And people have the chance, if you don't do what you say you're going to do, and if you're not in places where you should be, then they have a chance to change direction and get someone else my goal is to ensure that I will continue to work hard I'll continue to strive to be fair in my dealings and that you know I will place those things that uh, need to be uh, separated in those particular boxes you can't be mad at everyone because something didn't go right. there are people that had nothing to do with that right. or if you didn't get your way so as a result you know you don't want to participate in a system that 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 you know, can help out right but for me it's just a continued work at the things I know to do be fair uh, work real hard be at work when I'm supposed to be there mm-hmm. and you know just continue to uplift those who want to be uplifted and you know um, on the other hand if it's people that need to be held accountable be right. prepared to do so hope hopefully that won't be as many but right. if there are then, you know, as as a public official, you have to you have to uh, make the adjustment. It's not for the faint of heart, mm-hmm. I can tell you.
0: All right. Judge Coleman, one last question for you.
1: Okay.
0: I'm just curious. What has been your most difficult case?
1: Let me see. Um I don't know what's been my most difficult case, but one of the things that really bothers me is when family members are at odds. That, mm. that, that bothers me. I don't want anybody to be at odds, but, right. boy, I think you've just kind of lost it when you have family members who are at a bitter end because if you can't get along or respect your family, look like to me there's going to be little hope with you be able to uh, adjust to our society. I mean, this is it.
0: Judge Coleman. It mm-hmm. was a pleasure having you. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give you the last word. Is there anything else that our Nashville community members should know about you or just about, you know, what we can expect or not expect in the next eight years that we have you as General Session Judge for a division team?
1: Well, first of all, I'm appreciative at getting the opportunity to uh, sit uh, – As a judge the last five years and i'm just as appreciative or more that i'll get a chance in the coming eight years of course we still have the primary and the general election to go Mm -hmm. and i don't anticipate anything happen but you never know right but i'm I'm more grateful than anything jerome because i had this opportunity I, i realized what an awesome task and what an awesome amount of confidence that people have put into me And it's demonstrated once again by not having to have an opponent in this race. So I am more grateful than anything. And my plans are to work hard, uh, continue to do things that I know to do right, and when they're not, address them in the proper way. I think that you're going to get everything out of me that I have. And one of the things people will always be able to account uh, on from me is that um, when you look for me, you'll look in a category of those who want to fight for what's right. Right. I would not you know, take one opportunity to run away from my job, my mm-hmm. duties, or hide when tough decisions have to be made. I understand that. I understand why people voted for me, mm-hmm. and I understand the job at hand. And the thing I can say is that I'll continue to improve. I'll continue to hang in there, and I will be a friend to the community. I'll be a friend to my neighbors, and people can expect that when they come to our court, and I think I'm speaking for all other courts in the General Sessions uh, array of things, they're, they're going to get a fair understanding of how courts are run and how that court runs, run and that they'll be treated in a fair way. That's what I think people can count on me for.
0: Judge Coleman, I appreciate your time as always. Thank you. Thank you. Until next time.